Hello, welcome to Tape Tech, episode 3 with Owen Marin. Welcome to Tape Tech. Gonna have a creative conversation. Hi, welcome back to Tape Deck. Um, thanks to all who've been listening. Um, Tape Deck is now on uh, the iTunes, on the Spotify's, and the YouTubes, and the SoundCloudens. Um, th- that is all that I have them on for the moment. That'll cover it, right? How many bloody podcast outlets are there? But anyway, it's on all those things, so you can listen and subscribe and like and review and say nice things, because, you know, I'm not doing this for my health now, am I? Um Right, so this week, uh, or this month, I should say, um, we have Owen Marin. Um, Owen is a younger artist than than the creative I'd probably normally have. He wouldn't have as much work under his belt. But I, I know Owen because he, um, uh, I didn't, uh, I did an internship where I kind of um, trained Owen up for for a few months or for about a year, I think it was. But um, I thought it'd be interesting to talk to somebody who's newer in the industry, and um, also the, the the discussion of you know, where he wants to go, what type of work he wants to do. And we, I tried to get into the internship as well. And um, that's something I get asked a lot about. So I figured it would be nice to kind of literally talk to Owen about how his experience was. So um, uh, he has a new book out called uh, Killer Groove. So anybody listening to this, I mean, once you hear him, he's lovely and he's charming and he's a really talented artist. So I d- definitely recommend checking out Killer Groove, uh, written by Ali Masters uh, and illustrated by he, uh, Owen. And uh, yeah, check it out. So um. Uh, yeah, hope you like this uh, creative conversation. Owen, welcome to Tape Deck. Uh, Hello. Um, I'm... Oh, shit, sorry. I'm... We'll edit that out in post. <laughs> yeah, we'll cut it out. <laughs> we'll do it live. <laughs> Fuck it, we'll do it live. <laughs> um, well, thanks for coming on, on uh, Tape Deck. Uh, this week uh, with me, I have Owen Marin, who is the artist of uh, Killer Groove, which is a series coming out now from uh, Aftershock. Owen, welcome to the show. Thank you for having me on. <laughs> God, it sounds like such a prat. <laughs> um, uh, well, thanks for coming on, man. Um, uh, for uh, those who don't know, I am I know him uh, a, a good while. Um, uh, he, we used to do an apprentice. He did an apprenticeship with me years ago. We'll, we'll talk about that later. But um, I did want to get you on to talk about Killer Groove because um, that's a really, really cool book, man. Um, what 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 got you on the project? Like, how did it start out? Uh, so I have to go back. Two or three years to my first um, my first professional gig in the industry, which was drawing four issues of Sons of Anarchy, uh, a prequel series with Boom, and the writer for that was a guy called Ollie Masters. Was that your first? Was your first paid gig? Was it? It was, yeah, okay, yeah. yeah. Um, so yeah, pretty much straight in with the leather jackets and the motorcycles, <laughs> which yeah, is motor, right up my alley. Motorbikes yeah. ridiculously easy to draw. <laughs> yeah. Well, actually, that was the. I was only saying that the other day. Actually, I think I maybe drew motorbikes like three times throughout the series. So oh, really, I got off pretty uh, scuffery there. But uh, I, I did draw uh, horses in in uh, Northlanders. I remember oh. there's a scene where they're just talking on horses, and like you know, I just cropped out the horse like to because you can't get the whole lot of it in every panel. Like, but yeah, it, but it felt like yeah. you know, they're just on fake horse. Like if you're watching a movie and they're on a fake prop horse, oh. so it felt like I was drawing. You know, it's like Monty Python with the coconuts, <laughs> comics equivalent. But, uh, no, sorry, yeah, you were saying. Yeah, to get back. Um, yeah, Ali was the writer of those four issues, well, of that series in general. And um, yeah, just, I guess, just straight away, I, I realized, like, th- these are really, like, uh, the kind of scripts I want to draw. Like, um, just really punchy, really well paced. There's, like, great, like, streaks of black humor throughout it. Um, the action is, like, it's, it's, it's sporadic, but it's uh, to the points and very cutthroat at times. 
Um, and there's enough to like keep it visually interesting too. Otherwise, yeah. it's just talking heads all the time. Exactly, and I mean, I mean the dialogue is great anyway. So I, like, I, I get a lot out of. Uh, I get a lot of room to like have the characters act in the first place. Yeah, you seem to really like like I'll see you kind of like you know the characters are fiddling with things or you know they're they're not just sitting there with their mouths half open. Yeah, I think that's like I think maybe something I love to, I'd love to see more in comics is like um, considered uh, character acting like quirks coming through the characters like yeah. how they how they might lean against something or what way do they hold themselves when they're idle or talking because uh, yeah, I think you can get a lot through that like and especially it just keeps. Um, the visual side of things is interesting as well. Instead of just here's another three quarter head or a profile of a head from the back or whatever. But um, yeah, to get back to Ali, uh, yeah, again, even just the way his scripts were formatted, like you know, he kind of left me enough room to work with. Um, which I even though it was my first gig, I realized was a method that really suited the way I, I told stories. Um, uh, did you know? That, like, have you done worked on scripts that aren't like that, which made you realize? I uh, not a lot before that. I mean, yeah, like I said, it was a bit, a bit the first uh, big long form. Well, long form it was four issues, but uh, it was long for me back then. Sure. Well, four four issues is but what like eighty something pages. Depending yeah, on. I think it was there twenty pages. So yeah, definitely eighty, which was like probably like 70, 70 pages more than uh, any other story. Yeah, I think it's. I remember what was it. Uh, I think yeah, the longest story done before that was like a five pager. Yeah, five or six or something like that. Yeah, so, like, like big difference. Yeah, yeah, big big difference. And like in the in this in the time it took me to draw that five page five pager, I probably drew uh, like you know an entire issue of Sons of Anarchy or something. Yeah, like it's that. it's one thing. I, I guess we're hopping all around the place here, but yeah. it is it is what it is. Um, it's it's uh, I I try to say to some people like you know anybody can draw a comic, but like can you draw a comic in a month? And a second comic, and a second month, and a third mm. comic, and a third month, and it's the, it's the grind. I remember near like near the end. I remember you were having a hard time just because the grind. Well, you had short deadlines on that, but I, yeah, the deadlines were um, yeah definitely on the shorter end of things. But also, I think uh, because I was still finding my feet with like routine and schedule and everything, like it just wasn't like I, I still couldn't like um, I, I still couldn't say to myself like oh I can do like a page a day or like ink two pages a day. I had no idea. Mm. It was very much like um. A slow was, crawl. There's tri- trial by fire as well, though. You kind of just uh, learn by doing and yeah, you know, sink or swim. Yeah, basically sinking so. and just about <laughs> swimming. <laughs> yeah, getting like a gulp of fresh air like every five seconds. <laughs> but like after that, I mean, it was trial by fire. After you did that, like things seemed to kind of not go easier, but you know that was the worst it possibly could be. Yeah, like, the deadlines um, are so tight. Yeah, and even then, like in retrospect, and like, you hadn't do, done it before. Yeah, as well. true. So you were trying to figure out your whole working method of. You know, do you do like you say like uh, like you know how I work in, mm. in batches, and um, I think you do the same, do you? I do now. Anyway, I actually can't yeah. remember how I worked then. Um, I think it was maybe more piecemeal, um, like pencil a few, ink a few, pencil a few, ink a few. But um, yeah, Which I mean, is, I was, it's fine if you kind of have the luxury of time. But yeah, if you're trying to be productive, it kind of gets like I know, like I'm sure you've met guys who say that they just draw whatever page. Yeah, I don't like. like I just can never fully do that. draw like, and ink it, like, and then move on to the next page. Nah, I, I mean, I I just like to work chronologically because I feel like it keeps the the end game. Uh, like I know I have a solid end game, which is like page twenty or page twenty two, depending on how long yeah. it is, and just working towards that just streamlines it more for me. And I don't know, I just sleep better at night knowing like, okay, I've done page six now. I know page seven is next. That means there's like thirteen pages. Like yeah, yeah. So like, I I feel like I would lose track if I did page one two three four nine seventeen twenty like i wouldn't know where i was yeah i like counting the pages wouldn't matter i would just feel like i'm all over the place i, I mean i understand how 
with some people like you come to a panel and it'll be a huge roadblock or even a page and you'll be like this is the last thing I want to work on right now yeah um, but that's a you kind of adjust a little like you know there's times where I've, I've definitely done that or I don't know if you do this I'll pick I try pencil two pages in a day and do mm. two pages in a day um, personally but sometimes or, or you know squeeze in an extra half page if I can but um, I'll find that it could be page one page two page three page four but page three and page four are both really hard pages, mm. so I might do page three and two because which is easier. Like, try not do two very hard pages in a day. Try do a hard page and an easier page. You know, not do two easy pages in a day because then you think you're flying it and you're not. Yeah, already. Right. <laughs> I wouldn't. I definitely never start a day on a hard page or a hard panel at least. Um, I'd like to try to break in on maybe one of the easier panels and. Really, I start with the hard ones. I I find I don't have the energy. Like I am. Um, well, my energy doesn't like really build up would work until like you know midway through the day so like i prefer, I prefer definitely I'm a little different because I think I slow down during the day so I'm worried if I uh, if I get to that when my energy is lower then I'm go it's going to take even longer yeah no for me like it's definitely like I, I pick up speed as the day goes on so but um actually yeah like I think it's a, a lot of it is down to um like tricking your tricking your mind into like being comfortable with something yeah definitely like, one of the biggest things I kind of picked up recently was uh I think it was Mitch Gerard's um he tweeted about it and it probably is like I'm sure it's going back years but uh he talks about how he will never um finish the day uh he was sorry he will finish the day by drawing the first panel of the next next page so that when he comes to it with fresh eyes the next day the following day yeah he he doesn't have like an entire blank canvas to start off on like he has something you know it's like oh I've already got like a tenth of this page in or something yeah I guess like he's tricking himself into not being intimidated by a, a blank page yeah which I think is a huge hurdle for many people like myself included so yeah, but it's, I don't but you, do you with I guess we're getting get, get into the weeds again like but uh, you know I know how you do your layouts and stuff like you not you never really have a blank page though no, I guess. I mean, that's, um, I guess that's how I do it. I never have a blank page because I'm working off a layout, hmm. so I have the layout down as such. So the the intimidation of starting to draw kind of is gone because it's all there's already lines down. Yeah, I guess maybe it's not the um, the blank canvas in, uh, intimidation, but rather the, the 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 notion of having to do pencils, which are probably my least favorite aspect of the the drawing process. So yeah, maybe it's just like. Oh, I've got some penciling done, even though it was technically you know yeah. <laughs> like at two a.m. last night or something. Um, but uh, yeah, I think uh, sorry. Yeah, we should probably get back to back to uh, uh, Ollie if we must. Yeah, you know. Back to but, uh, Ollie, so yeah, so you, I know. <laughs> uh, but uh, yeah, so you enjoy you enjoy working on on those types of scripts. Yeah, I mean, like like I said, it was um, it was definitely like a, a dive in the deep end. But I think what made it uh, what made it better was like the fact that it was an enjoyable script and something I could see myself drawing again anyway. So uh, was it was it much different? Because like say I'd say the longer uh, the other project would be that is lot that is. That is as long, uh, would have been the centipede book you did with Max. Yeah, were um, those scripts significantly different to Ollie's? Yeah, in different ways. Um, geez, I'm trying to think back now. Uh, yeah, they'd be a bit more elaborate, I think, um, especially with the panel descriptions at times. Because Ollie, I mean, not to get into um, divulging uh, Ollie's process <laughs> too much, but uh, his 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 would definitely like leave enough space for me to dictate um i mean look if it needed if it was a big moment he would say like establishing shot sure. or something but uh i mean also even just the way max would work like max would uh have more like splash pages and kind of i guess experimental like layouts uh, messing I mean, with which, form i mean bit. i mean i think you really like that too don't you oh like, i do yeah, yeah yeah i mean like i'd uh, i mean ideally if if i could like change up my uh, 
approach from project to project i think that would like keep things interesting um mm -hmm. like the killer groove of kind of uh, since the previous gig, um, I've gone to like a strict three tier structure, which isn't you know it's not a new thing. Like you know, criminal is like a, has been doing that for years. Such a fucking genius. Yeah. <laughs> uh, yeah. But what made you? What made you? Yeah. So what? So for somebody who doesn't uh, know, um, a three tier structure is effectively Sorry, yeah. um, a page. Reading left to right is effectively you know you can read across one tier, mm -hmm. um, and. In a lot of older comics would generally have a three-tier structure. Yeah, um, it'd be very formal. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But like you're, you know, that's not, that wasn't something that was asked of you. You decided to do it. What made you want to try it out? Um, I think there was an. I think at first, the first um, uh, inspiration for that came from like reading. I was reading a lot of. Well, I still read a lot of manga, but um, in manga they have very like they're very um how would you say patterned with their like uh, panel compositions and they ha they're like. It will change from page to page, but like it will be like you know there'll be two or three like general like layouts they'll have, and they'll stick to that. Like and the idea of sticking um, to something and working around that, I think, uh, seemed interesting to me because um, yeah, prior to that, like I was mostly doing you know, you know a shake up of widescreen and grids and like more formal stuff, and I thought it'd be interesting maybe just to work with that. And also knowing having worked on uh, Ali's scripts before, knowing how well paced they were, I thought having um, a strict format would kind of really help me like punch up uh the the specific beats in his stories yeah um, yeah like they're well they're deliberately structured so that leans into deliberately structuring a, a page but it's, it's like yeah. you kind of deliberately trapped yourself in a way in which yeah. you're going to tell a story in a certain way yeah exactly because i mean it's i mean there's parts of me where like oh that would be nice if i could do that as a, like um you know taking up two-thirds of the page but like I have to work around that, but it's it's you know it is it's a very rewarding. And you did that right though. Now. There's a is it issue two. There's um there's a, a scene in a, in the in the nightclub. Yeah, you got me. Uh, <laughs> but no, but but that was an inventive way to do it. So yeah. so effectively, was it a splash page? It's, it was actually um so it was the only time in this in the entire entirety of drawing the comic so far where there was only two panels on the page which okay. is like shit i've got like three tiers like what do i do yeah so you ha by 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 definition have to have three yeah. three panels and this has two panels so for people who have obviously haven't read it i should describe so uh it's it was two panels in the script but i broke it into three by having the second panel which is a shot of the audience in a concert um just just have it like overlaid over the yeah the two you, tiers. you drew a tear through the image yeah rather than draw a second panel so it's you've made one panel like you just split it into two effectively yeah and but i think you, it gets but you, you read it's, you read down yes yeah, the feeling of like a camera panning down because yeah, like you yeah. the first panel is um the first panel is uh johnny our main character playing like in the moment of playing music on stage and then in the in the second panel you see him kind of reacting and realizing he's got like this massive audience in front of him and it's kind of like it's kind of like I guess trailing down across the audience with him as he reacts to it. Like it's like mm -hmm. oh my god, like this whole room is like covered with people who actually enjoy my music. So it's uh, that was my intention anyway. I think it worked. <laughs> it worked. Uh, worked out well in the end. Um, mm -hmm. But that's been the only instance. Um, and sometimes I will say with that structure, when you get like a four panel page, sometimes you end up with like a bigger panel than is necessary um, yeah. for like you know because you can only like break open a page so many ways like especially if there's like a a lot of talking moments in it so um but i generally i'll use like i generally will use like um uh one tier for like an establishing shot like uh, mm. i think that's always good to have especially because in killer groove you have a lot of jumping around like scenario and following different characters and kind of even jumping back and forth in time so i think it's important to have these large establishing shots just so people don't get 
lost sure the way. and and again I apologise for anyone listening that I'm I'm just hopping around all over the place because I'm terrible at this um, but Kilgrove what's it actually about oh, here's the sales pitch yeah. um, Ollie's better at this than blow I blow me away <laughs> Kilgrove is uh, a crime noir neo-noir if, if you will um, drama uh, set in the early to mid 70s uh, LA and essentially centres on Johnny, who's a failed musician who accidentally, without spoiling it, uh, finds himself uh, kind of pulls deeper and deeper into the LA underworld and the crime scene um, and finding that his music um, improves uh, off of these events. Uh, but it also, I mean, it's not just that. We have like two other character arcs, if even three, um, which will kind of all intertwine mm-hmm. uh, in time. So it's a very... Um, it's a bit of a puzzle, uh, and I think it kind of to say that Johnny is the protagonist maybe might might be a bit misleading because I think it quite evenly like uh, jumps from. Well, I mean, he definitely is in the first issue. Like sure. it's kind of you come into it that that way, but it, yeah, he's our grounding. I think yeah, cause, like because um, definitely is it's definitely his story, but like it's as much about um, the characters in his world as well and how they get involved. Um, but uh, yeah, I mean, it's uh, yeah, I think. F- but it's got a musical um, uh, spin on the crime genre, uh, I think, which is our hook. Hopefully, our hook. <laughs> and like, and are you like, are you into crime comic? Like, you know, I'm a big, I love crime comics a lot. But mm. um, you've got you've got a broader uh, influences than I do. But um, uh, do you, do you like crime stories? Like crime comics? Yeah, films? I mean, I like crime stories, crime films. I actually, I mean, a lot of the crime mainstays have eluded me so yeah. far. Like, I actually only got into reading Criminal uh, after I started Killer Groove because I didn't even realise uh, as ignorant as it sounds that they were like Brubaker and Phillips were doing the, the whole three-tier thing. Like, I mean, it's, it's something funny. that, it is something that, that, that it, it sucks that they are so, they're so good and successful at it, which mm. is brilliant, but I, I think it's, it's definitely harder because like I've done a crime book and I'm 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 working another one as well. If I was smart, I'd be like, oh, I'll do something a lot more marketable. But I just love mm. those those books. Like, uh, stra- have you read Stray Bullets? No, I haven't read Stray Bullets, but I've, like, I, I know all these are massive fan. I of got that. the compendium here if you want to. Actually, right here. If you want to take a brick of it, yeah. Definitely. Yeah, fucking, it'll break your neck. I do, actually I was aware of um I will say uh, David Lapham's uh, his cover approach, which I think was um, definitely like a. A touchstone for when I was approaching Killer The cover is to Stray Bullets? Uh, Stray Bullets, sorry. Oh, yeah, yeah like yeah. it's just the half of it's kind of blocked off with the yeah. number. And I just think that's like a really good format. I mean, it's very in line with like a lot of old um, crime and pulp uh, novel layouts. But, yeah, uh, so is that was that your inspiration for the covers of Killer Groove? Uh, it was one inspiration anyway. Like, I was definitely wanted to get like the music gimmick in there somewhere um, and do something different with it. I mean, yeah, so, so the covers are actually, I uh, really like um, about them is. Uh, similar to some of the stuff like say I I'd like I did with Moon Knight or whatnot, it's mm. that you've got a very similar to maybe how you're telling the story, you've got a very strict formula for the covers. Yeah. And it subtly changes in one way and then it's very different. So they they looks like album sleeves with the record coming out. Yeah. Yeah. So and so every issue it's a different record cover. Um and the record, I can, I can see, slowly starts to kind of break down and, and get De- more cracked. Great, which is kind of reflective of, um, I guess, Johnny's uh, persona uh, as yeah. the as the story goes on. Um, so, and we were, I was super grateful that Aftershock uh, let us run with that as well. Yeah, because um, they kind of they've had a very kind of um, I don't say formulaic. It's not the word. I'm looking, uh, it's not the right word at all. But uh, very branded. Sp- yeah, yeah, heavily branded uh, yeah. covers. So you always knew it was an Aftershock book, but sure. like this. 
you wouldn't necessarily know it's an aftershock book just from looking at it. Yeah, and I was surprised because um, like that was my very first like cover concept that I pitched them was this like the record layout, and yeah. I was like, oh, there's no way they're going to go for this, like you know, and like we're pushing the publisher logo like you know halfway down the page you know and mm. uh, everything about it is like completely different like you know it's but probably, they, was it was it a tough sell or? no no they were like this is cool like you know that's wrong i think um i was like credit to the guys at aftershock like they really like liked the i think they, they liked the idea of the the music approach to it like and they saw and hope and we saw a lot of a lot that we could work with that uh even mm. marketing wise um sort of really yeah, like, ran with that some promotion for with the guitars yeah we and we um the aftershock paired with a um, gibson uh guitars <laughs> which is crazy that's pretty cool like yeah like like that whether it works or not i don't know but like it's nice to see somebody trying something a little bit different marketing wise like but even with the guitar picks that we had the guitar picks brilliant i never would have thought of that like, yeah never people love those as Who's well who's the name like, was yeah. that uh it was oh, geez i hope i don't get it wrong i'm pretty sure it was uh steve rotterdam uh who like big music head big like also like big into like that era of music so okay uh, right he i think it was himself that uh really ran with that idea um and even the spotify playlist idea i think was steve's sorry i don't i hope i'm not crediting it to the wrong person but um we had a lot lots of like great input and uh um suggestions like from the aftershock team yeah um christina and mike and lee kramer and everyone so that's great uh, yeah. I, I mean I, I know it's it's a weird probably a weird thing to talk about but it's nice to see publishers try something different you know like that rather than you know a one size fits all approach to marketing a book yeah and i will say like the covers have done really well for us like um oh really yeah yeah just like constantly great feedback about them like i oh, think cool. and i think they do stand out like uh, on the shelves yeah. um which is i do hard i do love do. the the stickers yeah like because i i i, I kind of want to scratch it because i remember being a kid and you know those old stickers you'd always take it yeah, take off the price tag but we actually did have somebody on i think on social media who did reach out and was like oh i was like i got my nails like <laughs> halfway on this cover trying to scrape the thing off before I realized but um and the cool thing about that actually I'd, I'd probably like bored people to death about it but uh with the price tags like it's it's a 399 like fake sticker on the cover but 399 was also the same price LPs would have gone for in the 70s as That's well That's nice. So doubles up in, yeah. a, in a really kind of like really cool way but um, yeah, you said uh, like people responded really well to them yeah yeah I think just people like they just jump out they're different like you know um mm. and, like even we've had like guys who I super admire like you know like Tom Muller like who's even complimented him. oh like, nice Jesus, if, if he thinks they're okay like they must be decent enough yeah I'll, like, ta- you know, yeah, so. I'll take that alright yeah so I'll put, put that in my fridge <laughs> yeah. so we're, you're like on the fourth issue now is it yeah I'm so halfway through drawing yeah. the fourth issue now okay and, uh, so you're, you're you're kind of getting to the end now yeah I mean um, I probably I don't think it's I'm not sure if it's been advertised as such uh, but it is a five issue mini um, people have been asking um I mean, we. I think we'd like to do more in the world if uh, oh, really, yeah. if sales if sales um, if the sales were there and there was enough interest. Stuff, uh, man. Like you know, especially when people who have gone in and, and like have bought the book, have read the book, have liked the book, and mm-hmm. they they want more. You want to be able to give it to them, but it's really just down to like it's not their fault because they actually did buy the book. Yeah, they did everything. You know, they could, like, like, so. You've done all you can. Really, just depends on other people and whether or not they can you can afford to keep to keep going. Yeah, I mean, one thing we've been telling people is that it's Killer Groove itself is a very finite story. Um, without without going into spoiling it, like, right. but uh, it ends on a, it ends in a way that would be hard to continue. So if if we ever did like continue the series, it'd be under a different name and uh, altogether. I think. Okay, gotcha. Um, but it would be in that world. Like, definitely, yeah. Like certainly. in the same time period, or I think so. Yeah, actually. 
Hmm, I haven't discussed it with Ollie in depth, but I think it might be interesting to kind of like go a few years later. Yeah. Uh, maybe even just to see like the the end of the seventies, like maybe early eighties, even just to kind of switch it up a bit and see how far the characters have come. But uh, yeah, that's something to think about in the. In the in yeah, the, sure. Hey, you never know. Yeah, you never know those. Um, but so when so uh, what the two issues are out now? When's the third issue out? Third issue is out twenty uh, fourth of this month. So that's not next Wednesday. Actually, it depends on when this podcast goes out, I guess. But it's the twenty fourth uh, of July, uh, which is a Wednesday as always. Twenty fourth uh, of July, I think. I think this podcast will be out just like just after that. Oh, okay, cool. Okay. Well. Go out so, and get it, it in your comic store. So issue four is out. <laughs> um, issue three. Issue three. No, but I'm saying issue three oh. might be out by the time uh, this goes out. This uh, will be out yeah. uh, in two weeks. Yeah. Okay. Oh, you know what? Actually, probably just beforehand. Just yeah. beforehand. And actually, um, if, you, if you're out in your store, uh, there is it's a, a bumper uh, day for Ollie Masters and Owen Marin releases because the Sons of Anarchy uh, Legacy Edition Book 3 is also out. Which, uh, with collects, all those motorbikes. Yeah, with all, those, <laughs> all the three motorbike scenes. Um, which collects like uh, pretty much the entire 12-issue series, including the four issues that it's I nice. drew. Yes, yeah, um, uh, Luca Pizarro started it. That yes. was you and uh, I, can't, I, don't, I don't know who did it. It was uh, Lucas Wernick, uh, okay. if I'm getting the name I right. I um, think I know his stuff. It's pretty good, isn't it? Yeah, yeah, it's really solid. <laughs> um, <laughs> I'd love you. are like, actually, no, Declan, it's shit. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, put this podcast out. <laughs> no, it was interesting. No, I think I remember seeing the pages afterwards. They were really nice. Yeah, yeah, no, I think that whole book came together well. Um, so it was yeah, it was uh, all written by Ollie and three uh, three artists, and um, it was uh, Joanna Lufuente and Adam Metcalf colored it. Uh, did a really great job, uh, and it's yeah, it's going to be for the first time all together in one really nice, handsome, affordable volume. So cool, nice one. yeah, if you're a fan of the show, uh, pick it up, or if you're a fan of us for some reason, also uh, pick <laughs> eh, it up. more likely to like the show. Yeah. I'm sorry, but <laughs> um, uh, no, that sounds great. Actually, uh, Tommy, that's it's nice that it's coming out the same day as uh, as issue three. Yeah, that's cool. Um, right, well, I mentioned earlier on that uh, that uh, you had done an internship uh, with me. Um, mm. So, like, the reason I bring it up is because I wanted to ask how you started out. I mean, I know how you started out, mm. but for the purposes of the podcast and those who might not know, um, how did you get into comics? Um, I mean, professionally or just uh, in general? Well, actually, I suppose both. I yeah. Mean, uh, yeah, I mean, uh, again, yeah, you're like 10 years younger than me, so, like... Mm. You know, for me, it was like X Men cartoons and Asterix and Tintin and and stuff. But for like, like I said, you you've like a lot of huge uh, manga anime um, influences and yeah. So. I mean, definitely like you know, growing up in the nineties, like you know, we had that like uh, that wave of anime that hit the um, like airing on uh, RT two, which was like you know, Pokemon and Card Captors and Digimon, all those like trading card and gimmicky ones, which were like you know they're you know what they were, but like you know I definitely hated them so much. You're <laughs> like, so what is this? <laughs> I said I said when I was uh, to different Cole like uh, before I, I I was in comics. All these kids would be coming out like talking about Pokemon. I'm like, oh, what's your favorite Pokemon? I'm like, what the hell are you talking about? What is a Pokemon? Oh, no, it's like, is there a coal based Pokemon? <laughs> <laughs> I'd be like, Charizard, right? Yeah. <laughs> uh, see, I'm done with the kids. Um, but sorry, yeah, go on. Oh, yeah, I mean, but that was like, I mean, that was one thing, and it kind of led to me discovering manga, but that wasn't until I was in like my teens, I guess. So yeah. if you want to go back a bit before that, um, yeah, the comics I grew up with were like Commando comics, uh, basically in the Beano and the Dandy. Uh, I was, the, I, well, my brother got the the Beano, I was the Dandy guy, but we we just swapped them over in the end and read each other's copies. Um, I, but I read that pretty religiously, so like I think from an early age I was really into like the humor side of comics and um, uh, cartooning, mm-hmm. uh, and then 
the only other comic I really had access to was Commando Comics because like when you I didn't have any stores obviously and it was pretty those much just are, those are news agents though, yeah just yeah. literally just news agents is all we had so like um, it was that and I think a few years later uh, Titan started doing like the Star Wars um, reprints which were reprinting Dark Horse comics oh, like, cool. so all the um, John Astronder stuff which is right, really good right I didn't know that yeah, like so, um, and like they were super cheap. It was like, well, like three euro for like that's uh, because two like, issues like or it's weird. Like, you know, uh, as a as a child of the nineties, eighties, nineties, you know, I've all the uh, the the influences. You would assume like Jim Lee and Kubert's and Mark Bagley and stuff. Hmm. But like weirdly, your influences are the gen seem to be more the generation ahead of that, mm. because the stuff that you were reading was reprints from like the seventies and eighties. Yeah, um, that's true. Yeah, it's weird. Um, so I definitely like, especially with the Commando stuff, which was all like digest size, black and white, like mm. boys adventure comics. Um, I think definitely the the black and white, the high contrasts, and like really rough and, uh, for lack of a better term, the gritty uh, side of the war comics, like definitely like appealed to me. I was big into like, you know, soldiers and like you know, classic. Two thousand eight as well, right? Weren't you? Uh, not till uh, secondary school. Okay. Um, I was. I think I was aware of it, but like. I didn't really like properly look into it until I was in secondary. I like, thought um, all that stuff looked too mean. Too <laughs> mean. Too, yeah, it was too. It was too like I was just so I was just so lame. I just like superheroes, but a lot of that stuff it just seemed too like yeah not not mean but um cynical was it or, uh, or not even grown up but like it was just too gritty like I, yeah. it's weird now my tastes are totally that but yeah. as a kid I just was like scared of it. I mean, it definitely had an edge, like all the covers, especially. Like, um, actually, yeah, I, I had think... zero edge. <laughs> I was edgeless. <laughs> <laughs> I think, um, yeah, I think it was when I was in secondary school, like the first three years, my uh, school library had like these, uh, uh, the paperback collections of some 2000 AD stuff, and I had like all the, the great Dread stuff. I had a uh, Dread versus Batman. Uh, so I had like Glenn Fabry. Oh, the, yeah. Yeah, Cy um, Bisley. Oh, yeah, it was Bisley. Was it? Did yeah. Fabry do the second one? There was a second Batman versus... Yeah, there was like three of them. I think Ken, Cam Kennedy did another one. Oh, um, okay. So that and uh, Bad Company as well, which was like Peter Milligan sure. and Brett, uh, Brett Ewan's um, really cool jock cover as well. And that. So that stuff was like... A, very kind of like integral um just discovering that and like even the fact that my like shitty school library had comics in the first place yeah um, yeah i was like whoa what is this stuff like so i just bury myself there and like <coughs> during lunch break like you know and mm. reading up on all this stuff and uh relishing in like this you know at the time was very like gr you know edgy like super like also like nobody else was like it felt like it was more yours because nobody else yeah knew i mean about it. i mean i don't think there was anyone even in my ear that like was really into comics like i remember i'd bring in like tr hellboy trades like and people like oh what's that and i'm like oh okay like even very passive about that. like hellboy's <laughs> yeah. fucking awesome like what's wrong with you um but uh i i know if you got this in school somebody i bring in comics and somebody would look at them and they'd look at them and like oh cool um you don't read them though, right? <laughs> no, I just flip through them. Like as, yeah, as if reading them was was that was that would be ridiculous. Um, I look at the panels in isolation. Uh, like, did you were was reading comics like a weird thing when you were a kid? I think so. Yeah, and like, um, I mean, it's I think so because the, the pop culture have... has changed like even since you were a kid. Like, you know, yeah, um, which is crazy. Like in like that twenty odd twenty year span, not even 15, 20 year span, like. Um, yeah, like, like when I was a kid, Iron Man was just lame. Like yeah. nobody liked the Avengers. It was all about the X Men. You know, I, I think actually that's why I used to bring in like Hellboy trade sometimes. I'm like, I wanted to show people that like, oh, there's more than like the superhero. Like, yeah, you know? and it's yeah, like yeah. here's this like 
really dark and like morbid like stuff and like it's uh like you know drenched in shadows it's not yeah. like you know yeah the opposite of what you think or what you expect or, or what people expect to to see when they think of like uh, comics actually on that i think of one kind of a a key turning point was like in our class in that school um there was like a, the, the walls were covered with like you know people's projects and stuff mm -hmm. and there was i didn't know what it was at the time even though I ha I had like some weird sense of familiarity with it, um, I must have seen it like in a magazine or something. But like, there was a drawing of a uh, uh, Yonan Vasquez's um, Johnny the Homicide oh, yeah, Maniac. Yeah. Someone had done like, and it was like it was just someone had just like literally just copied one of the panels or whatever. So mm -hmm. it was uh, the drawing itself wasn't anything amazing, but like I'd never seen anything like that. Like, and it was like, I couldn't even like discern what it was. Like it was this weird angular black and white like high contrast work, and I'm like that's fucking cool. And I think that was kind of like. What led me into like uh, definitely into like all the like goth like kind of comics at the time, yeah, you know, yeah. especially getting into the, all the dark stuff. So two thousand eight, I remember like, right uh, actually my for my generation, uh, I think uh, the Crow. Oh yeah, was yeah a big yeah, thing. Bar, yeah. yeah, I mean, I don't. I'm not the biggest. Fa I mean, it was weird. Uh, There's some really cool Alex Medivh, um uh, Crow stuff. Mm. I think the graphic novel, like the the way the art style, isn't isn't really what I I was into or. It's very of the time. It's very of the time for sure, but I mean, like you know, the I think the film the film was infamous because of um, uh, what happened to Brandon Lee and yeah. stuff like so. So my my generation would have known that, and this it was a real cult film. But like knowing that that was based on a comic as well, there was definitely a and like you know, it's not a aesthetically looked similar to Sandman. Like that, that was a lot of that going on back yeah, when. Yeah, yeah, definitely. Uh, was good, but I think it got weird. I think it got edgier and cartoonier, like you said, the Johnny Armstrong and Maniac. Mm. Um, I'm trying to think of another example. It felt like there was a lot of that type of stuff coming out. Yeah, but they had a uh, Roman Dirge doing like Lenore and there's like oh, yeah, that's right, yeah. and uh, Crony Crumman. Uh, mm. I mean, I even remember, remember going into like Forbidden Planet at the time in Dublin and like they had like a goth rack of comics. Oh like, yeah, you know, in in there with, like well, the goths would be going there. So <laughs> yeah. I mean, you um, got to know your market, I guess. And it was in there. It was, like, it was sharing like I think uh, rack space with like all these like. Um, like pseudo porn comics like uh was it red ants or like black witch of the tarot what all those kind of like i think that was an image early image title as well but like all these like you know what you call them uh bad girl comics like oh know, okay yeah. oh like, like lady know. death and stuff yeah like that. exactly oh, okay, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> i was like i just like it was it was a um, you felt like um skeevy enough going up to like this rack of like really like you know all these goth comics with their like edgy imagery and like their I mean, but, stuff. but yeah but that's, that's something i think when you're when you're a, a kid you don't want to be reading I've, I've talked to this with a few friends recently you don't want to be reading the stuff that's like aimed at you you yeah. want to be reading the stuff that's like you shouldn't be like i remember i read preacher when i was like 12 or 13 like 13 which is too young really to be reading like that kind of stuff <laughs> but i loved it like you know because i shouldn't be reading it mm. you know um I think it was just like being introduced to all these ideas and like concepts that you mm. just had no like familiarity with before then, and like it's just uh, exhilarating, I guess. But even in the time like you're you're like a child of the internet, effectively, like you mm -hmm. you would have grown up with like forums and message and, words and, and YouTube and stuff. Yeah. Uh, so, but still, you still went to stores and you were interested in like the print medium. Yeah, I mean, I think I got, I didn't we didn't have a computer in our family till like I was like well into my late teens. Okay. So, I yeah, actually I mean, once we did get it, like I, I pretty much hit the internet pretty pretty hard, but, Yeah. Um, yeah, no, I think because I didn't have it for so long, I still like had a very uh very special affinity for like 
print media uh, i still do like i think it's definitely like just going to be the way i am about things like mm -hmm. if if i if i can't get it physical uh i get very uh, frustrated like, yeah you know, so i am yeah, I'm, I'm sooner but I, I think it's interesting you know and maybe you're the last generation that'll that 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 will remember what it's like to not have anything mm. you know like like you said you found you found this stuff in the library because you couldn't get it anywhere else yeah it wasn't there wasn't there was nothing available to you so when you did find it like I remember getting American comics and you'd see like the ads for mm. you know Mile High Comics, all this American stuff, and it, it made it feel alien. really exotic. Yeah, yeah, alien. Yeah, definitely. It's like I'm I am one of the very few people that have this like yeah. in Ireland because it was genuine. Like probably a relative. I mean, like in the context of like what you had access to, it was like a fairly rare commodity. Yeah, like, I mean, I, yeah, I didn't live in Dublin, so it would have been a little bit. It would have been easier definitely in Dublin, but like yeah, yeah I didn't know anybody as such who was reading that stuff at the time, and I didn't know how to get it, so. But I think there's something really exciting about knowing that, like, this is something different that I have. and But it, but that just doesn't really exist anymore because so, things are so widely available, you know? Yeah, yeah, exactly. But, um, yeah. but anyway, so, um, so uh, but as regards professionally, um, I mean, what made you want to actually draw comics? Um, I mean, I guess I've always just been invested in stories, like, um, and, like, telling stories via comics is like it's the easiest way to do it like you know it's it was a way to tell your own movies before you like you mm. know you had access to a camera or anything like that and um i guess there was something just about the the narrative aspect of it i mean i loved obviously i loved reading and i loved art and it just seemed like this perfect marriage like you know yeah. it's like yeah i don't know it just spoke to me like you know and uh it was it was something that i was hooked on from an early age and even though i wasn't sure for like most of my like um late teens and my early 20s what I was going to do art-wise like I was kind of hemming and on about illustration or character work or animation and stuff like that and I tried that all and uh for the most part none of it really stuck and even though it's, it's, it's crazy because like I was still reading and heavily invested in comics all that time um but I never really considered it like a serious path to go down um I guess because it wasn't as it didn't seem as tangible as the other um, areas of artwork. It's probably because there were actual classes for animation. There was actual classes for, you know, there, there's there were no classes for comics. So why would you think it's a real? Yeah, there was nothing that really. Uh, well, specifically within Ireland, I'm sure it's different elsewhere. Like, but it, it there was nothing that really legitimized it. I guess like, and it wasn't. Yeah. I mean, even now, like you know, you have to. You wouldn't be someone who's like not involved in comics. Like, wouldn't be super aware that there even are people in Ireland sure. doing comics. Like, mm -hmm. you know, we don't really get the. Um, the recognition or the, uh, I guess the, what's the word? It just wouldn't be as like as apparent, I guess. Like you know, on the outside, you know. Um, mm. Yeah, people like, don't you know, think the, comics and like, oh, that's Irish people would do that. Like yeah. it's just not a. It's like yeah, because every time I mention it, it's always like, oh, it didn't have to be in America. To yeah, it's, it's, so, yeah, like, absolutely. So I get that question. So, um, but uh, yeah, I guess uh, going to like conventions for the first time like you know uh in my early 20s like kind of really solidified that like oh there's people like in the uk and ireland doing this like it's so it must be more manageable than i thought it was like you know but it still seemed fairly kind of out there so i think it took like messing around doing like so not messing around sorry just to um to uh to oh, i've lost track of my words there but basically um i have to get back to it now uh I'm not Sorry, editing. Like, I'm not editing this out. It stays in. <laughs> if this was like a, an animated podcast, there'd be like a speech balloon above my. Well, sorry, thought balloon above my head with just a dot 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 mm. ellipses. Uh, Interesting, informative, artistic. It's tea to hear.
Uh, sorry, yeah, to get back to it, um, I think it went. It took going to conventions and seeing other people do it, even just like on an independent level, um, and me starting to do like my own small comics and get involved with the local like Dublin scene, mm. uh, doing small contributions here and there. Um, but even then, I was like, hmm, yeah, but how do I get paid to do this? Like, you know, like, that's a very different question. Yeah, yeah, because I mean, everybody, anybody can pick up and publish their own stuff. Yeah. Um, when did when did you? I remember when. I was a kid. I I was reading. There was this Marvel used to put this magazine called Marvel Visions, mm. um, and it was just basically like behind the scenes stuff about like the books and creators and stuff. Well, that's cool because that like exposes that like I guess the actual actual work involved and like mm. there's actually like the real people. It's not just like a name in a credit box. It's like here's how to do. Yeah, yeah. It was and it was cool because like I was fat, like if I recall, it was an interview with Adam Kubert, mm. and he mentioned I don't know if he mentioned what he made in a year, but there was some like actual money amount. And it meant nothing to you. I didn't understand how much, you know, if that was a lot of money. So I showed my mom. I was like, is this a lot of money? And she's like, fuck yeah. <laughs> so I was like, oh, okay. Well, not only is it a job you can have, but it's a job you can have and, like, be successful. Mm. Like, I mean, in theory. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. But, We're but still it, testing it. But, but at least knowing that, like, you know, in, I mean, back then I wouldn't have known how long it would take to draw a comic. As far as I knew, the guy had a full-time job or mm. who knew. But um, but knowing that, oh, this could actually be your, your whole job was, yeah. was pretty... Yeah, Andy uh, Cooper wasn't flipping burgers on the side of that. Uh, yeah, that's what, yeah, not that I'm aware of anyway. Like, um, but yeah, it changes things. All of a sudden, it's like, oh, this is a, this is an actual thing. Mm. You know? And I think, yeah, definitely. Like, um, so for context, uh, I would have been a regular like visitor of Thought Bubble every year, and that uh, was a, a convention you frequented pretty mm. much every year, I think. And I one of the years they had the usual annual uh, um, 2000 AD contest, which was where you draw like a five or six page script. You'd bring it to um, Mulcher or 2000 AD on the day, and stay. if you were one of the finalists selected, you'd go in to have a live uh, portfolio review. And I got into the, out of like 40 or 50 odd people I, I, that year, I got into that the That many, finals. was it? Yeah, yeah, it was oh. crazy. I remember like queuing up for like an hour and a half or something like that. Because yeah. it um, wasn't that good, man. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah, but, I mean... All I could remember was just was, was it the top? It was it wasn't just you? It was you and it was me and four or five other people, okay, I think. Right. Um, and I didn't win in the end, but I still got like you know reviewed by like um, I trying to remember. Tom Foster was there. Disraeli uh, was there. Um, obviously, Mulcher was there, um, and two other people, I think. Um, but yeah, it was just like the experience of that, and like I guess the high of like. I guess it was a bit like a, a bit of a self affirmation for me. It was like, oh, actually, maybe I do have something decent I can bring to comics, like you know, because mm. I didn't like I. What I contributed. How many years had you been volunteering at the show at that stage? Uh, probably three or three or four, I think. I maybe yeah. volunteered so one year after that, I think. But oh, yeah, um, but it, but it took you it took you a few years to actually get the portfolio together. Yeah, well, no, that's the thing. I actually had started every year. I'd always start to do the 2080 contests, and I'd yeah. get maybe layouts in, and I'd start pencing, and then I just lose interest, or I didn't have the motivation or self uh, discipline mm -hmm. to do it. So like. Yeah, it took like at least I I think I got I think I still have actually um the remnants of the three previous years, um entries. But uh yeah, it took four like at least four times for me to actually finally like commit to it and do it. And even then, I still pretty much did it the night before, uh, which was like, which is not something I'd recommend to anybody. Like in in any in any I, I once I do I I once did a, a a Nightwing sample. I think it was before. I think I was going to a Brighton convention, mm. and I remember being in a cafe in London. <laughs> on Leicester Square, like, inking 
the 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 pages. It's stupid. Yeah, like, why, like, why the, the hell fuck are you, doing you put it? yourself in that? Like, yeah, it's like, but I mean, it's good. I guess it's good. It's good practice for deadlines. Yeah. Um, <laughs> I, I I knew I had definitely. Um, I was inking. I think the last page in the hotel in Leeds at the time. Uh, the day I think the night before the festival or something like that. So I'm like, <laughs> it's like don't tell that to Mulder. Don't tell. That to Mulder. <laughs> um, yeah, like and. Because I I do I do talk to to people who are showing their, their portfolios and and they will say I just finished it and I'm thinking what are you doing you idiot yeah. forgetting that I actually did it I did it a couple a couple of times before mm. but um but so but you it was a good experience for you when when you showed it there yeah I think it was the first like really big like moment you, of realization for me do you remember something that like encouraged you and do you remember something that kind of um like kicked you in the ass. Yeah, um, again, going back to Moulter was the one who like first saw my portfolio, and he's like, the perspective here is like, doesn't exist. Like, this is fucked. Like, he was you know, right. Your perspective was fucked. Yeah. I mean, I, I, it was for another year after that. I still struggled with perspective, but uh, it was. But something you're like, on, like you really like your pages now. I can tell you really work on your perspective. Yeah, like, well, I like grounding things. Like you know, I, I love drawing backgrounds, so it's mm-hmm. like a, it's part of the process now. But uh, um, yeah, definitely. Like I was eyeball, eyeballing the fuck out of it. Like, and it, it, you knew. Like I look at it now and I cringe, but um, mm. I mean there was definitely there was lots of stuff wrong with that thing. Like in my inking approach, uh, I think the storytelling was decent enough. Like, but um, uh, I remember actually the the very last page, uh, I guess the climax of the the entire short was like a bit of a um, how would you say a wet sod. Like you know it didn't really end in any specific note. I remember being them criticizing that. So there was yeah, they were very like um, they were very open about the criticism, which was something I needed. Yeah, um, sure. Because it's all well and good to have friends and family go, oh, that looks great. Like, you know, especially people who wouldn't have any art learning or, like, criticism mm-hmm. um, abilities. But uh, uh, what was your question again? Like, oh, yeah, you're asking it like... Um, it was, no, that's was something specific, good or bad. But it sounds yeah. like you had a really good, a really good cred, like... Yeah, I mean, but uh, even... The, they even had, like, the good stuff they said, like, you know, which is, like, comparing me to, like... Um, uh, or like some of the like British uh, comic artists that would have been inspired by like you know mm-hmm. Jim Bakey I think was one specific one I'm like oh that's that's cool like you know yeah. the fact that they saw something of that person in my in in my work like um, not that I was actively going for that but like yeah um, yeah they gave me enough definitely there was enough like a really good did you think of, you might get a job uh, no no I don't okay. think so no uh, I mean I would have been happy to like if I got the, the into the final. Um, I was still surprised I even got into that in the first place, but and I know the entry. I think the winning entry that year was definitely like far more polished and competent than mine was. Mm. Um, but it just, I just gave me, it gave me the right kick in the ass that I needed. Like, and straight after that, I think it was the last day of convention. I went to your table, um, and you could barely speak because you'd just been speaking to people like every single minute of the day for the last uh, two days or whatever. Yeah, I, there, it seems to be a running theme of me losing my voice at shows. But, mm, I wonder um, what's causing that. Yeah. I wonder, yeah. yeah. But um, uh, yeah, but what made you come up to me though that, that time? Was uh, it just because you were, you, were, you were coming off that experience? Yeah, and I? it definitely was coming off the high, but also... Would you have done it otherwise? Um, I don't know. That's a good question. I think I, I definitely wanted to get it seen by somebody because I, I mean I'd, you I'd left def- it till like the last minute of yeah. Sunday yeah, I was literally like the last person to come up to your table or something like that yeah. and I was worried was like he's probably gonna like fuck off now or something like that I think there was but somebody um, I think it was looking at portfolio just before you as there well. was yeah. yeah yeah actually was that someone we knew I had a, free, I had a few yeah it's um, um, Sarah is it Sarah oh yeah it was Sarah Jane, um, Sarah Elliot yeah yeah Elliot, yeah yeah because yeah, yeah, yeah. I, yeah, I remember looking at hers and because I remember there was somebody after her and that was that was you yeah Jesus you've better memory than I do um but um, yeah, I think I'd done the, I'd done all that work, and I felt like I needed to wanted to get more out of it. Like you know, yeah. um, 
and I, I definitely knew of you. Did you show sure. it to anybody else? No, I don't think so. Okay. I mean, because like literally, I bought. I only got it done just before that the the thing. Okay. Brought yeah, it yeah. to the thing. And, and then came out after. Came okay, out yeah. after. So like <laughs> you got a lot of mileage out of the, <laughs> that one, one for day. some work for yeah. something I drew yeah, for the, like that last minute. But uh, yeah, it was like um, I I knew you had done the apprenticeship before with uh, L Power. Yeah. Um, and I guess that was in the back of my mind, and maybe I was like feeling definitely there was like an element of being uh, cocky about it. But um, yeah, you chanced your uh, you because you, you yeah you asked if I was do if I was doing it again. Yeah. And I wasn't. I had no intention of doing it. But yeah. like you're. I, it's kind of tough. When you're, I mean, you, you you probably know now from looking at people's stuff is sometimes you can see something there. It's not quite th- there yet, but mm, there's, there's an innate, definitely potential. Yeah, like, like an innate ability. Yeah, and the right. stuff that, that was wrong or off with your portfolio was like really, really off. Mm-hmm. But the stuff that was good was the stuff that's kind of harder to get right, like characters' faces mm. and certain textures and stuff. Stuff that people really don't really kind of gloss over. Mm. It, and it really, really stood out. So it it was very incredibly inconsistent, but like, but, but like very bad and very, very good. Whereas most portfolios are just kind of like nah. okay yeah. across the board with a couple of little things here that are good. So it was so it was so interesting to see it so so, so inconsistent, you know. Um, <laughs> Fluctuating. But I definitely yeah. saw there was like good stuff in there because you couldn't you couldn't draw what you were doing well if you weren't good yeah. effectively, you know. Um, but. Um, so yeah, so I know I I I can answer my own question here, and that like I I just I just decided to take on for a bit, and I think I can't remember if I said how long. We just kind of just played it by ear a little, didn't we? Yeah, it was initially. I think you said let's you know let's have you over to the apartment in January, and we'll try it out, and for like six months maybe or something like that. Yeah, and it kind of went to go a year. Uh, yeah, it went to just short of a year because I got my first gig before the year ended, and you were like, yeah. Yeah, "Well, you you got your foot in the door now. You can fuck yeah, it off." Yeah, well, it wasn't necessarily that, but you just kind of—I mean, you got work. Like, yeah, that, that was great. But that was you know? the entire thing. Like, yeah, yeah. The goal to, was to get you in a place where you could get you get hired, and you got hired. So yeah, you know? so like works to a T. But uh, yeah, to go back, I mean, I don't think you would have. I know you said it yourself. You wouldn't have um, given any just anybody a, a chance to do the thing because people really. people ask sometimes mm-hmm. and. Um, uh, or even because like I seem to have gotten a rep for doing internships, mm. so everyone thought it's just something I do all the time, and I kind of go, well, I've only actually really done it twice. Mm. It's not like and you had a load of free time anyway. No, so. you know, and it does it like it 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 does eat in, into time, but like it's also great seeing someone like you, you know, you know, I'm asking you about your own book now, like that that's yeah, really exactly. really that's really cool, you know, it's and it's really rewarding to see that that happen, and I can also always just take credit from. Yeah. You know, so if you come hey, on, you to, still do. <laughs> if, yeah, yeah, I will, and I'll continue to. But um, uh, do you feel well? I'll, I'll ask about the the, the apprenticeship uh, specifically, but it's something I want to ask you about. But also, I was curious: is it something that is annoying to talk about? Um, no, not at all. I think because it's important. I think. I mean, I think it's good to hear but, how people m- made their way, uh, but like it's. But like everybody you, says, would you ever be worried that there's too close an association, basically, in that like, oh, without deck, you wouldn't like. Um, I, I, I'm not saying you should. It's just uh, in my kind of more insecure moments, I do worry like, oh, is that something that would be in your head? Or I'm sure there's some people that maybe have some like idea in their head that like you know, oh, you wouldn't have got in there without like deck and whatever like that, and it's definitely an element of truth to that. that I think. I wouldn't have got in, um, I don't think, I wouldn't have got to a professional uh, standard as fast without you, I think. Like, well, it would have taken me probably, well, I think this is kind of like, 
glossing over a, part, a large part of it. And uh, you also made me, um, sorry, you didn't make me uh, <laughs> to reword it properly. You you made me consider... I abused you. No. <laughs> <laughs> that dark room. Uh, you, cons- you made me consider dropping my uh, full-time job working in a bar, which is something I think we glossed over, um, which was yeah. a huge proponent in... Also, just how fast uh, I started learning, and I just had time to actually like spend uh, making comics and developing my portfolio. Because otherwise, I mean, it's like, very in, easy. In for me some to ways, say, like, it's terrible advice what I suggested you do. Like some, like so, if somebody hearing that, they might be cringing because it, it, it's it's potentially the worst advice in the world. It's yeah. just you were doing a day a week, and you were doing good stuff, but it felt like you weren't you were not improving at all in the space from when you left. Hmm. to when you came back the following week because I wasn't drawing because you were drawing because you were yeah you were working full time and, 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 and you know getting by in Dublin or whatnot. and I could just you know I could see that you would improve so much faster if you were able to give yourself the time to do that hmm. that is not an easy thing to do especially no. living in Dublin well, yeah, not everybody has that position I like, so to provide context I, I was living in Dublin uh, at the time but when I left the job I had to move back with my parents and that's a very privileged position that obviously not everybody has either. Um, yeah. And well, look, you didn't, you didn't, you didn't have to. Your mum offered. Yeah. You know, and you, I remember you did not want to do it because no. you were <laughs> young buck in your twenties, huh? Wanting to in. live in the big schmuck. Yeah, exactly. Um, but you know, and it's you know, I, and again, I, I, it sucked to say like you know, maybe you should live with your parents again. <laughs> yeah. It's not really an appealing uh, uh, offer, but no, not I mean, but you wouldn't, <laughs> but you also wouldn't have been able to dedicate your time. No. The way that you you did, and then what within like we said within a, within a, what ten months or whatever it was. Well, it was less because by the time I moved out, that was halfway through the six months. Sorry, that was like this after the six months. Right. So then it was like whatever, like four three months after that, I think. So, yeah. Um. Yeah, it wasn't long after that. I uh, I was actually worked out well because if like I was still if I was still working in the whiskey museum at the time when I got offered the gig, like you know would have. Would have been able to take it, like you know. That's it. it. Yeah, I mean, like if you had a full time job, you wouldn't be able to take the work that you wanted to take because yeah. you have to, <laughs> you have a job. Yeah, exactly. So um, it worked out well, definitely. Like it. <clears throat> uh, I mean, I was very lucky that my parents had a space for me to come back to. Yeah. Um, which is, like, I think, means to it means it means a lot. Like you know, having it wasn't just a like a bedroom space. Like they had like a dedicated like back uh, back garden space where mm-hmm. I could like have my kind of like a. Have all my stuff and have like a separation from from the day to day house stuff. But you um, you had to sacrifice your independence yeah. and dignity yeah. uh, <laughs> to a degree. No, I sacrificed that when I started yeah. working in comics. <laughs> but I mean, that must have been hard to feel like you're taking a step back in your life. Yeah, like, taking a step backwards to make t- to ultimately take two steps forward. Yeah, it was definitely. Um, I, I can't say it was easy at times. Um, definitely had its ups and downs. Like you know, like I, th- I think it was two years living with the parents again mm. you know which after having like my first taste of freedom freedom was not an easy thing and definitely like there was times where i just fucking i, I genuinely did hate it like um uh thankfully it was your, your mother busy. is awful no just because your mother's lovely <laughs> if she hears this <laughs> <laughs> no please say no I, i'm i swear i'm joking i don't um, think she's ever listened to a podcast so you're fine okay grand all right um that she is she is a really nice lady um so regarding the apprenticeship itself i was curious if you could like is there anything about it that was really did you learn something that was really surprising and maybe not even drawing like i know we kind of like broke down the process of things and mm. and i think it was fortunate you were getting offered stuff like a one page story 
and then like I mean you spent a lot of time on think about it now is one page um, but you know we really went over that page and then you got like a three pager and then like a five like I think it happened to be the stuff that was offered to you at the time but I think you did a really good job of of you essentially, essentially stretching your muscles and, mm. and getting used to building up the the amount of pages you could do but um, so I, I know we kind of like went through things a lot that we could but is there anything that like you know may, I don't know if it was like a professional thing or or uh, was there anything that you were like huh I, I would never that's not something I would ever thought of that would come to comics mm, well I guess it was, well, it was a big eye opener was just the level of work that goes into making comics like you know how like how much of a time sink it is um, to see you like a like yeah so you would be in the studio with me and Jordi Belair mm-hmm. like, working and we just were working all the time like. yeah and I was like definitely I was like I mean it was good to see that because it was like this is the life I'm like going into now like essentially yeah. like, and uh Look, I mean, it suited me in some ways because, like, I do love, um, I do like a, I do like having you know uh, solo time, time at home, like you know, working uh, in your own environments. Um, but definitely, it was like Jesus to go from like my very like social bar job to like probably being with like one or two other people in around you like maximum for the entire day and also being in front of a computer and a drawing board. Yeah. I think that's a big major lifestyle shift. Um, and it definitely took a while, going from like a job where people are telling you what to do and where to go and how, like you have very set like clock in clock out hours. Yeah, I think that was the biggest thing I had to kind of overcome and come mm. to terms with was like, okay, you need to like stop fucking around like you know on the computer. Well, and as you said, well as you said, like a problem you'd had before was like discipline. Yeah. Yeah. You know, so you had to really... Well, I had to teach myself self-discipline yeah. because like I had discipline when it came to like being, you know, having work given to me. Like I I loved working like, you know, uh, I have been working jobs since I was like 13 or 14, like in mm. my granddad's sports store. So um, I always had good work ethic, but it's not the same. As, yeah, yeah, it's, it's, I mean, work ethic is very important for mm-hmm. sure, but it's different, like you said, when you weren't sure what you wanted to do, be animation or whatnot, so you didn't stick with any of it Yeah. because you kind of, for whatever reason, but this is something where you actually did stick with it and you did figure out how to make it make it happen. Yeah, and it didn't like it didn't come over an eye, like, you know, and there was a lot of a lot of ups and downs to it, you know, uh, a lot of stress and anxiety around it and like just constantly fretting that like I'm gonna be late on the book and stuff like that. And thankfully I I, I wasn't. Um but uh yeah, I think that was definitely the biggest kind of like learning thing it was like Jesus, like these people like really put their like every almost every minute of their lives into these things, and that's that's I mean that's the nature of working in uh, well specifically um, the the monthly comics market anyway. Yeah. Um, well, I mean you know to a degree we're a bad example because we just always were working you know and it's mm. like it's something you know you know and I know is like how to have a life yeah and do when something is your passion. Uh, it's hard to make say it's your job, mm. but it is your job. So, you know, it's 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 like you enjoy your job, but a job is always does it does have work and stresses that come with it. So yeah, and I think knowing how to separate things is, is difficult. Yeah, that's probably one of the other key things that started learning is like actually like, I think someone explained to me it's not about like um, finding the time to the outside of work. It's like making the time. Uh, yeah, because like. Finding the time like is it makes it sound like you're not prioritizing like your your time to like recuperate and like enjoy other things and, and like spend time with people as well because that's I like I had a relationship uh, I was in a relationship at the time of starting my comics uh, career and it didn't last too long after that for 
reasons that do include uh, the workload I took on, um, which was, you know, it was understandable at the time, you know, so mm. definitely uh there was yeah and my i remember my sleeping schedule like went out the fucking window um that yeah. was like atrocious um i mean i think part I, I th- of that I was i told you your mom rang me i think i did tell you my, your mom rang me about yeah this. she did yeah, yeah. yeah or i think yeah i found out at some point anyway and it's like jesus is like holy crap is it yeah. that bad well no she was uh, yeah she was worried like you know but i mean as i was saying to her it's like look you know it does get bad sometimes yeah. but like this isn't going to be the norm and even at, i remember saying to you like you were like i don't know if and like I think you were worried that you weren't cut out for it or something. Is it? Uh, no, you know, it wasn't the way that like, oh, I don't know if I can do this. It's just like you thought you weren't doing a good enough job, and that oh, you were yeah, failing yeah. to some degree. And I had to say like, you know, no, three weeks is not enough time to draw <laughs> a book. It's okay. Just get through this this hump, and it'll be. And I mean, like, and it, it's never been that bad. No, it? that's one thing I was going to say. Is like, um. I mean, again, it's a lot of it's a lot of a confluence of reasons for why that was probably like a, a hard experience. But um, it, thankfully, I mean, I think I'm better prepared for stuff like that to happen. Sure. Like you know, I've much sure. better like I guess um, defense mechanisms for stuff like that. And you know, I know my I know my I guess what I'm trying to say is I know my um, uh, my capabilities. Like you know, yeah. I know where I can't do things. And well, that's and, hugely important. Like knowing what you can't do effectively yeah. is huge and also i know how to look after myself a lot better in terms of like freelancer life as well which yeah. is something i can't go without a um you can't overlook as well like in the long run and uh, so and is there i mean is there a downside to the apprenticeship i guess i guess i'm curious no. what, what what would if somebody asked you i don't regret like, would you, do you think, would you ever do an apprenticeship with somebody uh, i think i'd like to yeah i'm not sure what my like teaching capabilities are but um i think it'd be great to again just like throw the ladder down um, if i can do it yeah anyone fucking can do it, can do it. <laughs> you know yeah. uh, i think it'd be because uh, like, I, I do think like you know there's not a lot of ways into this industry and there's mm-hmm. a lot of pitfalls and there's sure. also people got to get get people's ways of getting in are always so like varied and disparate yeah for sure like i've done lots of breaking in panels and i think Mm -hmm. i think it's one thing cb sobolski said is once you break in then that if someone finds a way to break in that's sealed up behind you like the Mm. the past doesn't stay open to a degree because things change like the internet changes or or context changes so everyone has to find their own kind of kind of way and i would say like you know, what you've achieved in... How long are you drawing comics now? Three years? I was actually trying to think of that on the way over. Um, I think it's like just short of three years. Yeah. I mean, what you've... I mean, you've worked for Marvel. Mm. You've got... You've got like a couple of books under your belt. You're yeah, doing a lot of licenses. I've like, like enjoyed Yeah, and I, my first three years in comics was small press for a year and UK graphic <clears throat> novels for a year and a bit. Mm. And then I just... Probably in the third year, I just started in American comics. So like... I was going to compare both our careers. Like you were flying way past where I. Mm. I did at. start younger as well, though. Uh, which I know, well, I'm just going. I'm just going about the two by the by the years. Sure, like, yeah, you know, yeah. Um, I guess you did start younger as well, didn't you? What what age? What age are you? You're twenty. I'm twenty seven now. So I was like twenty four, I guess. Yeah, when I started. Uh, it's probably around when I started too, because I was oh, like okay, twenty. Right. I was twenty seven when I started at Marvel. No, twenty eight, twenty nine, something like that. But like comparatively, just going by the years, like you've done very, really, really well in just like three years. It's yeah, pretty, I, like I should say, like to, despite everything I might be saying, like I'm super grateful for all the opportunities I've had and the chances people have taken on me and like the people I got to collaborate with. Um, like very, like, uh, yeah, like I, I don't regret it one bit. Like you know, like just 
getting to work on stories, especially even like with licensed stuff, like working on like, you know, some of my favorite movie franchises and now like getting to do my own creator own thing for the first time, you know, which has a lot of ups and downs as well, which I'm mm. quickly discovering. What are, what are the downs? Because uh, I know you always wanted to do creator own, but what, yeah. what do you think are the downs? Um, I think just so much time is like invested in like the non-drawing aspects, you know, which is like, that's part of part and parcel of like, yeah. you know, having your own IP and just having to promote it. But, uh, and it just like I guess it was um come to terms of like Jesus I spend so much of my time like on social media and emails and organizing events and signings and stuff and yeah it eats in it eats into the making of the actual book yeah and like, you just want to get that I mean like to go from like just getting your head down and getting drawing the thing uh to like having to worry about all that all that extra stuff um it, I mean it's very gratifying in a I lot mean, of ways but, as well yeah I but you I mean you don't have to do that. No, but then at the end of the day, like but you want the book to sell, so. exactly. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So um, it is. Yeah, I mean, I I think after the first issue, I kind of like started like quietening down a bit on pushing it. Like I'm like yeah. First well, I mean, out the now, first like, issue is when you really want to hit, and then the trades trade, when you want yeah, to hit. Exactly. I mean, I mean, this is going to come up midway, so I mean, maybe it's not the best time in the world, but I think it's good to have something coming out while the book's coming out, especially you know when you're working on it. Yeah. But yeah, like really, you can't do what you're doing for every single issue. You just can't do it. Like. Uh. Um, I do. Uh, yeah, one of the other. You I probably think, knew that was like because you've seen me hustle with like an injection, injection and yeah. everything. Like so, you you would have seen me doing it. Yeah, and you probably was like, "What are you complaining about?" <laughs> yeah, yeah, fucking gobshite. Um, I think one of the other things yeah, is probably like the the feeling of I guess there's like um, a degree of ex like feeling exposed when you do a creator com creator own comic because there's no like oh it was the license or like you know I had you can't hide behind the character or the IP or exactly or like that there was like some license or like being harsh or whatever like it's, yeah. it's like this is all you um, yeah you can't you can't blame the man <laughs> yeah <laughs> <laughs> yeah there's nobody to hide behind but uh, yeah which is like you know that is definitely like when the first issue came out I was like super like super anxious about it like how it would be received and even like art wise you know would people like when people don't see my st work associated with a license, will people think it like it's boring or something yeah. like that? Because uh, what do you think the how do you feel about the reception then? Uh, in, pretty in good. So, yeah, like I think people, I think sometimes the the, the pace can throw people off, which is fine because like I, I really enjoyed like the slow burn. I, well, I, I enjoyed, so like, that's I mean that's a I mean it, people can criticize it, which is fine, but um, it, it was a decision on your part. Yeah. You know? Oh yeah. So entirely. you're just sticking with your. Your decision. Yeah, we're not going to suddenly like have twenty explosions. Uh, yeah, a, a, an issue like all of a sudden to change it up. Like, I mean, it was yeah. Muffin Blaster didn't like the slow pacing. I better <laughs> sorry, Muffin Blaster sixty five sixty five or whatever. Yeah, um, but no, I mean, you know, you're 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 making a call with how you're telling the story, and I'm sure yeah. whatever you do next, you're gonna. Like I don't see you doing the same thing. Uh, I wouldn't. No, I definitely. That's one thing with projects. Is like I try to. I definitely want to like vary it up from project to project. So like ideally. I think next thing I'd like to do is go back to work for her just to, I guess, have a different mentality, not have a different mentality. Um, I guess, I don't want to say like tune out, but like definitely have to. I, yeah, I'm, I'm doing a work for hire thing at the moment that hasn't been announced. Mm. And like the nice thing about it is not having to hustle. Yeah. You know, yeah, you just do the work. And I, I want to say you can just switch off, but you don't switch off because you're still, you're still oh, making yeah. art, but it's, it's the... It, you can just concentrate on the work and not worry about X, Y, and Z. Exactly. There is something very relaxing about that. Mm. After a while, though, you are like, I don't own this. Yeah, I want to go back to my own terms. Yeah, but then so there's like, you also, it's also really fun to work on like, you know, established characters and yeah. licenses and put your spin on things. Because uh, I mean, like, you're you're gonna uh, you're gonna come up with like, you're gonna work on licenses that are you aren't like partial to at all. But like, it's still fun to like es establish that license in your in your uh, in your own. 
in your own you know art style or yeah um so yeah i think some come, come back to something like that would be interesting for a bit i definitely probably would feel the the itch for creator owned again sometime soon uh, yeah i mean i'm hoping to well, i mean i not necessarily it wasn't necessarily by design but like by the time i did do creator owned i had enough i had a good bit of marvel stuff under my belt so mm. it was a bigger deal as such um you know it's different i mean if you can balance doing creator owned doing more for i i personally think that's the best way to be because yeah. i've told other people it's like that's the what that's what i want to do like i yeah. think that's just like healthy keeps you yeah because you can't hustling all the time is just going to drive yourself crazy mm. um and and not doing anything that you own will also drive you crazy so having the option of switching between both means you know if you can't do something if you're something does on a work for hire thing that you're not allowed to do you know I think there's some artists who are just going to get total fucking pissy about it mm. and go, this is my art, yada, yada. You're like, no, man, this is not your character, you know. If you want to do that, yeah, do your, do your own, own book, thing, you know. Yeah. Um, but, but, you know, and working within a... I mean, I don't know if you find this, but, like, working with editors or with uh, an IP, it's, you know, it's fine, you know, mm. and maybe you've got to adjust things a little bit. Um, and if you can't stand it, then you can just go do your own book. But at the same time, if you get worn down by doing your own book... Being able to just kind of shift gears and just concentrate on, yeah. on on literally just doing work. It's not not everybody can can do it. There's a lot of artists who've been pigeonholed mm. into just being work for hire or just being. Well, also some people just don't have the aren't can't draw to the speed which like you know a work for hire publisher might require. Like yeah, it's you know, true. People, yeah, um, some people just work on a pace and you know that's their pace. They don't do any faster. They don't do any slower. Mm. Like, so um, it's not meant for everybody, which is perfectly fine as well. Like. Um, but that's that's that is is what I was going to ask is like what do you want to not what do you want to do next but like where would you like your career to to go ideally? Uh well yeah definitely like I'd like to return to work for hire and kind of re I think like you can re-establish yourself in two different kind of like veins like with a creator own is like more it's good because you could be seen as more of a uh uh not not an tour but like you know less a you know pencil monkey and more like a yeah, well, you actually have ideas and you can envision stories. Yeah. Um, and then work of art is like, oh, I can show off my like more drawing skills or my draftsmanship or like, you know, this is how I envision things. Uh, sorry, but um, I would like to get into uh, writing for myself at some point as well. Um, I think that's the next major hurdle for me. Um, mm. And I haven't but, taken look, any major steps for it. But I, don't, but you've, you've, I mean, you know, like you said, 27. You've, yeah. You know, like you've, I mean... I, I don't think I don't think you need to be in any rush, but it's definitely oh, something. If it's right, if yeah. it's definitely something you want to do, look, look, you get the advantage of, of analyzing scripts, mm. like, and you get paid to do it. So there's nothing better in my experience, at least, is there's nothing no better way to learn for sure. Yeah, and developing what your taste is. Yeah, that too. You know? It's like what well, you know. Even well, after the, I think the first thing of all is uh, developing what my like approach to actual writing a script is. Yeah, like, be, I, like, I think I know. I learned more about how I will you know t will tell stories period from mm. working with scripts but also working with scripts that i just didn't like yeah i think you learn, was... sometimes you learn more by knowing what you don't like mm. um i gotta say i had that experience where i think that was what kind of really opened my eyes in in terms of like not that i oh hey i can do this better it's like it's like hmm, oh so that's what a like mediocre or like you know um bad script looks like is like Huh. I so, hope Wally Masters is listening to this. <laughs> <laughs> Issues four suck. Um, no, uh, I definitely, yeah, I think that was definitely a kind of turning point for me. It was like, it kind of, well, I guess it humanized or like broke it open for me. It's like, oh, wait, actually, you know, 
seeing where it's like oh i think this should have been done this way or like you know i think you know the script would have been better if like i had a climax like earlier on or whatever mm-hmm. um I, like i mean all i want to start off doing is like just short stories for myself put them i think it's online, really like, smart you know, yeah yeah i've like i've no grand designs to do like a fucking ogn or something like that not yet yeah. anyway definitely like i think yeah in years come I, I, like uh, i'm hoping to like you know definitely write and draw for myself um because i think was it can't remember the exact wording, but like a great artist and storyteller played Klaus, uh, played Klaus. Sorry, um, I think the way you word it was like uh, I think people uh, again going back to like if you're seen to only be just drawing for other writers, like you'll only ever just be an artist. But like if you start writing for yourself, people will see you. like people's perception of you definitely opens up. And I mean, there's lots well, of that in the industry now. Anyway, like yeah, like the, people the, like yourself, Jason Latour. Um, yeah, like I mean, I. I, I was like talking to Chip Sarsky yeah, uh, a couple of weeks ago. Exactly like that. And and it, like similar to Jason, like seeing those guys take more control of th- their careers. Mm. Like there is I think there is a career reason to write your own stuff. Sure. Yeah. But like you know, that shouldn't be the reason. The, yeah, it shouldn't be the driving reason. No, course, so. But but there's definite benefits to like if I choose to work with a writer, it's lit like it's literally at this stage I'm quite fortunate. It can be like I know I'm okay. I, I can just do, I want to do my own stuff. Mm-hmm. I'm getting to a point now where I, I am just having to say no to everybody because once injections done, I, I think for I just do I I want to do something else with Warren, but like I'd like to just do my own stuff, like write my own stuff, and I haven't really gone in on that yet. Mm. Um, and I like writing for other people, but but there's definitely like people see you more as a creator if you have written something for sure. Yeah, you know, definitely. Um, and. Which is, I, I you know, it's it's kind of sucks in a way, like, you know, that I guess people yeah. have that a very narrow vision of, like, what an artist brings to the table, but uh, at the end of the day, like, yeah, again, it can be, like, a smart career move. Like, also, you know. I mean, I wouldn't be where I am without working, I said this to you before, like, I think, you know, I did Deadpool with Jerry Duggan, and he's a great writer, and then I did Moon Knight with uh, Warren, and then all of a sudden everyone thought I was a genius, <laughs> and it's just because Warren's a genius. How know? wrong they were. How wrong <laughs> they were, exactly, you know, but I got that residual genius stink off him, you know, <laughs> just by being in his in his general vicinity. And you haven't watched since. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's like the Bart Simpson doesn't wash that hand, there's a gum all over yeah. me, um, but like... Uh, which is great because I got, I think I got like a level of prestige by being an artist who worked with Warren. Mm. And I definitely cashed in on that. Like I, I said, I'm going to write these coattails <laughs> as long as they'll I take me. Fucking business, Warren. But I'd it's... like to think that I followed it up with like by, by doing good work. I think mm-hmm. it definitely helps. And you can change, you know, I do think some of the, this job, a lot of it's about perception, which which isn't fair, but mm. is just true. And you can be seen to be a, a pencil jockey, as uh, played said. Which is, uh, like, I don't actually like that term because, like, that's not the no, like, discredit it applies, you to... No, no, it implies that just because you are drawing a book that is written, that yeah. doesn't make you a, no, that is, doesn't make you a pencil monkey. It's not to say that so. you are that, it's, but that can be a perception, unfortunately. Yeah, definitely. Um, and, uh, I mean... Especially, yeah, sorry, I won't get into it. <laughs> that's, a, that's, like, another hour worth of a podcast. <laughs> I think we're at two hours now, anyway. Um, but, um, uh, but, no, it is something you, you can... Like I, I say this with the with the disclaimer that like not everybody can do it and not everyone's in a position where yeah. they can. Yes. I don't have kids, you know. Like you know, I, I'm I'm I do well, so you know I can take I can take a week off and do something kind of crazy if I want to. Mm-hmm. Some people are just making enough money to just pay their bills, but um, it is possible to change how people see you. You know, if you're a writer and you're not, I think I said to one person is like, if you can do the type of books that you want to get hired for, um, if you're somebody who does like say. 
um, Archie comics, but mm. you want to be doing hot. Well, actually, that's not great because there's a lot of Archie horror now. But let's just let's, <laughs> let's just assume there isn't. Let's say you only want to do horror books, and you're only hired for like classic Archie type stuff. Mm-hmm. If that's all the people see you do, then they're not going. Some editors will make like a cognitive leap and go, "What it would be like to see this person on why? Mm. That'll be interesting." That's a huge. It's huge, and, and it's and it's the minority of editors, not because editors suck, just that. Most editors are just trying to get the books out the door mm. and are doing all that they can and they don't know if people are reliable. There's all, all these problems. And they're also probably going to know someone already that does the thing they want yeah. done. It's like, so, why, like, why like stretch? So, but if you are not putting out that type of stuff that you would like to be hired for, mm. then you can really be surprised if that's not the stuff that you're, you're, you're getting. If you're always offered the same thing and not the stuff that you want to be doing, then you kind of wonder, what, what am I putting out yeah like I think the type of stuff you are working on is the type of stuff you'd like to do yeah and I know the type of writers I know you've mentioned before different writers like who are coming up now that you'd like to work with and I think they are in your wheelhouse too so that's to me that's perfect because you whatever you do with those guys if you get to work with them we'll be on brand we'll be on brand well yeah brand brand not for lack of a better term lack of a better term yeah, yeah but definitely creating more of the type of work that you would like to be exploring yeah an identity I guess like yeah um yeah, I think it's very important to cultivate your identity. Uh, cultivate, Jesus. Again, like it's, yeah, it's these terms. Very, yeah, yeah. <laughs> cultivate the shit of it. No, um, but, but, but yeah, because you only spend so much, you spend so much time doing this, you want to make sure you're getting the most out of it. Yeah, like I don't think I'm going to get hired to draw like a, an Archie comic any time. So unless it's one of the horror ones, I guess. But, uh, you know, I, I definitely... But, you know, yeah, you could do one of those. I could see that, one of yeah. those horror ones. But, but yeah, like right. not a straight up like um, Archie comic. Or, yeah, I guess it's kind of like you can deliberately pigeonhole yourself. Yeah, like which is in in a, in a place where you want to be. Yeah, I mean, <laughs> but like, I'm a, the alternative of that is like having like a multitude of styles, but then like you're hard to pinpoint, and you're not as and, true. And less, there's not some as, artists who love that though. Some artists, I've talked to some artists who like deliberately change their style book to book. Mm. And I was I was actually talking to Steve McNiven recently, and um, you know he's he kind of drew in this Barry Windsor Smith type style. Yeah, and it was really interesting talking to him because he was saying that you know the reason he's doing it is because he doesn't. You know, he wants to, he wants artists to see that you don't have to kind of like um, brand your style and be stuck in a kind of a commercial thing that you have to do. Mm. Which I think is that's a very fair point. I personally just like how I draw, and I think yeah, it, I don't think, I think it evolves slowly, and and you 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 bring in things, you push out things. Like someone like him who's so well known and popular, I can get like people want to see a certain thing. Yeah, okay, I think I it's ballsy of him to try something different. You know. Um. Yeah, I was gonna say yeah. It's changed from me asking you questions and me just telling you stuff. No, no, no. Yeah, I mean it's stuff like I yeah I agree and I definitely see like uh, like I'm I'm just saying like I'm Percy like I'm really happy with the way I work and just the way I draw and tell but, as stories. Said, so, like, it's, with Killer, with Killer Groove, you're doing something specific and you'll try. I mean, what you're doing is you're doing you're experimenting your storytelling. Yeah, it's not really my general aesthetic. Uh, yeah, like you have an aesthetic. I'm sure it's going to evolve. I'm sure you're going to try new things. Mm-hmm. And you know, I saw how you changed when you started using a brush more. Like. You'll always evolve. Like I don't think you're going to be the same artist in ten years. No, but but the the voice will be the same. I think. If yeah, that makes sense. I think so. Yeah, there'll always be like the the little trademarks and quirks and stuff like that are like yeah. just intrinsic in your again not style or just your approach and just the way you're hardwired about like storytelling. Yeah, like I don't I don't like talking about style. Yeah, you know, I, yeah think, I think it's a kind of a I've probably said on this fluffy before. term. Mm-hmm. It's very uh, it's literally a surface level conversation. Mm-hmm. You know that I think is much more behind it but that's yeah that's a conversation for 
for another day. But um, yeah, look, I've burnt the ear off you enough. I have no idea how long this is. I think the microphone's on fire. Jesus. <laughs> um, <laughs> oh, look, uh, thanks very much for coming on, man. Um, yeah, no worries. And, man. Uh, yeah, is there anything you want to plug uh, that you have coming out? Uh, yeah, again, Groove? just uh, issue three of Killer Groove is out on the 24th, as well as the Sons of Anarchy omnibus collecting um, all of the Redwood original prequel series. So both written by Ollie Masters, both have art by me. Uh, so go figure it out. Uh, go look for those issue four. So go figure it out. Go figure it out. Yeah, go figure it out <laughs> yeah, yourself. They're, you do it. <laughs> yeah, no, they're on sale in your local comic book store and Comicsology. Uh, issue four is out uh, next month, and issue five as well. And then the trade. Hopefully, we're getting that out before the end of the year. Uh, oh, cool. Stay, stay uh, tuned for more news on that. So. Uh, are you on the tweeters or? Yes. Yeah, so yeah, and uh, Twitter is uh, just that Owen Marn. Actually, that's probably something I should mention. Uh, the pronunciation is Owen. Name? Yes. Yeah. So, uh, so it's like O W E N. Yeah, it's essentially yeah. Like the simplest way I can put it is just like how you say O W E N. How do you spell it in Irish? <laughs> that's what throws people off it's three vowels to start with e-o-i-n which is not so it's not ewan or ian it's owen mm. uh i should probably just switch back to my halloween name which was like bone baron because then everybody plugged yeah, actually it was like, pretty good yeah, yeah it's it, pretty good so yeah that's uh, for all the people that um uh, which is like everybody who struggles with my name you know, i was talking to uh, 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 but um, i was talking to, to um uh, italian publisher and uh, they said like they have a really hard time pronouncing your name because it's more, I think it's because more vowels. Yeah, it's so a with deck land, it's like deck land. You can say it easy, but because yours doesn't work that way, they have an awful hard time. So, yeah. so you're fucked in Europe. Yeah, pretty much. Uh, yeah. <laughs> All right. Well, thanks. Thanks again, man. Uh, and, cheers, um, man. Yeah, everyone, check out Killer Groove, and uh, thanks for checking out this uh, this edition of uh, Tape Deck. <laughs>